This episode of Lucas Tigers and Browns is brought to you by PWCC. Head over to pwccmarketplace.com and register. It only takes a few minutes and it's 100% free. There you'll find weekly auctions with thousands of items, all starting at $10, closing every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. You have to be registered to bid. They have the most transparent buyer's premium feature in the industry and extended bidding like no other auction house. Give it a try. You might find something you love. Luca Nation, we're back in our, uh, we're back in the headquarters. We're back in the studio and uh, we missed you guys. We hope you had an amazing week, amazing weekend, tons of awesome stuff happening in the sports world. And we're back with another episode of Lucas Tigers and Bronzo. My, I think episode 838 or 839. Winding down the year, eight weeks, maybe nine weeks left. We've got, uh, you know, Christmas coming up, Thanksgiving, Halloween. So a lot of good stuff. Cage, I got a few topics for today. One you might like, one you might not like as much. Uh, but before I do that, because I'm going to say something and then it might come back and, you know, def- you know, your rubber, I'm glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. We might do that. Whole oh, thing. I like this. I'm I excited for this. A little bit more cautiously, but, you know. Here we are, Monday. Probably got a ton of work calls to catch up on, you know, family and all this stuff. Were you watching weekly with PWCC? Anything top of mind, you know, with the DMs you're catching up on over the last the weekend, you know, we're gone. It's a little bit harder to to kind of, you know, catch up and talk to people. Anything that's, like, sitting and pressing that you want to share? I mean, <clears throat> like, the, uh, like the auction last night, a lot of stuff ended, you know, kind of where I thought it was going to end. Nothing was shocking. You know, as far as like crazy stuff, I will say this: I noticed, um, you know, some hockey stuff ending a little better than I thought it would. Um, I don't know if that's because I mean we could read into things, right? You can always read into things, right? Like, you know, you'd want to say, "Well, where are the strong fan bases? Where are the strong collector bases?" Right? Hockey, right? There really hasn't been a hockey pump, right? Have you seen a hockey pump, right? You know, there's no '90s like PMG. To pump, you know, the the PMGs are the retro, which no one really cares about. You know, I mean, they sell for what they sell for. It hasn't really been a hockey pump, but like, you know, I saw um, over the weekend some some Sidney Crosby stuff sell for higher than I've seen it sell for. You know, higher than like, you know, higher than it's done before. I've seen some, you know, some some hockey I sales. I, I think Carlotter posted a McDavid sale, a pretty huge one in the in the hundred thousand, right? Yeah, a McDavid sale was a big one, but I mean, like like for example, there's a a Crosby basket, the cup on collectible. And it's, uh, I think the, the, the basket is like a hundred or, you know, 110, something like that. And one, like a BGS nine of a Crosby sold for like, like 70 grand. Like it's way below like the basket value. So anyways, just this stuff like that, you know, normally, uh, you know, the fractional stuff, it's way too high. Like the Milton Bradley, Nolan Ryan ended this weekend um, on Golden for like half of what it's trading for on collectible. That's normally what you see. But when you see a, a card uh, like that, that, that Crosby, like the hockey cards selling for more, those kind of stand out to me. And, and, you know, it is one topic that I go in with, which is, you know, rides. Yeah. That's look at the skates. So the, the skates, the memorabilia and the different kind of sneakers, you and I have beat the hell out of that one. Like those are very, like the very specific, specific, that's, that's it. That is the one right there. I, I, w- I would venture to say, I mean, I wasn't on collectible today, but th- I would think it might be moving up today because a BGS nine, so that basket has a nine and a nine, five, a nine sold for significantly more than half of what that basket's at. The basket is sitting at 138 K market. So, and I think it's moved up a little bit because it was oh, last week, like one twenty maybe. And I think like, you know, the, the one BGS nine sold in the seventies. Anyway, it's, um, I, I only lead in with that, not to talk fractional or, or anything like that. It's I've seen, you know, different sides of the market in different decades. I've heard people complain. I even heard somebody say at the Chantilly show, this is, you know, it's giving me 90s flashbacks. It's the 90s now. Only the difference is instead of having $50 cards that you're sitting with, you now have 500 to $1,000 cards that aren't going to move, that are, you know, aren't going to be... Adjusted for inflation, cards. I would argue that's actually very similar if you, if you kind of like kind of price it out relative. Because yeah. uh, we, we think of the number. Mm-hmm. Like my, my grandpa used to always say, like, how much bread can you buy with that, right? Because yeah. he would always kind of like benchmark it or the denominator always use uh, kind of like, you know, it gas. It is a great... Or milk. A great point you make, right? Because I was telling my Uber driver, 
um, you know, whose son was, you know, down, down in Virginia, whose son was up playing sports in New York. They're playing against Binghamton. And I'm like, oh, Soccer? Binghamton tuition. No, he's, uh, he's playing baseball. He was playing. Um, he said, um, the, uh, I told him Binghamton tuition in the 90s is like $2,000. So what is it now? Maybe it's, you know, 10 times that, you know, 15 times that. So you're right. I mean, you talk about like, you know, difference between $50 cards, $500 cards is sometimes just the passing of time. But but I guess where I'm going with it is, you know, we have people listening and and thinking about what do you do with their cards? Like, what do you do with the collection? What's going on with the market? And I think maybe it's going to be helpful. And maybe we spread this out over a bunch of episodes, right? Maybe we talk about the different corners of the market, the different segments of the market. Instead of just looping this one big hobby, one big word, the hobby. Oh, the hobby's in trouble. The hobby, the hobby, hobby, hobby. I don't think that's true. You know, there are obviously, I mean, Card Letter does a good job with it with their indexes. But even those, you have to really, you know, pour through the data on it to see what that index is really representing, right? But there are different areas that do different things that behave differently like memorabilia we got exposed to that this past week right we, you know we were in a room at that chantilly show and guys take a look on youtube at our, at our video you can just look behind us and just see walls of helmets and andrew kind of like you know move the the computer around a little bit to kind of show a little bit like stacks of jerseys and you know that there's a personal connection to that there right and, and even the athletes like meeting the athletes we saw you know, Doug Williams, uh, quarterback of the Washington Redskins, first African-American to win the Super Bowl. We saw athletes, you know, shaking hands with him, like Champ Bailey, who came after him. Um, we saw, you know, quarterback crossings because we were in, you know, in Washington, D.C. area. So, you know, you had Mark Rippon going this way and Joe Theismann going this way and, and you know, Terry McLaurin going this way. And, you know, I mean, you just had like, you know, crazy, crazy stuff going on there. And athletes talking to each other, meeting each other, getting each other's phone numbers, you know, Barry Foster, like, Hey, you know, let me take a picture of Mike Tyson. And, um, that's fun. Those we haven't seen like, uh, you know, two years ago, three years ago, you know, coronavirus happens and boom, the price of a Mike Tyson signed glove went from a hundred bucks to 500 bucks. It didn't happen. Right. So, so people who, who collect or in the hobby from that side, they're not, they're not, I don't want to say feeling the same pain, but they're not going through the same kind of, you know, oh, what's going to happen now with the hobby because they didn't have the same roller coaster that a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of people did. Same thing with, with like vintage, maybe with hockey. I mean, each one has kind of gone on its little different trajectory, right? Ultra moderns had a very different ride, right? So, I mean, we kind of come out of here, we do the best we can to kind of summarize the hobby. But I think it might actually make sense to kind of go through, you know, like the different areas. Some of them are healthier than others, I think. That was kind of what my thought back there. Well, that was my thought process at the show because, you know, we were not just so, – so I'll take a step back for myself, right? I go to a lot of shows, you know, a lot. I go to shows. I'm in the front of the house is what we'll call it, right? Like I'll walk around. I got Ian. I got a case of cards. I see people trading. We ask the dealers how they're doing. But you never really get to see behind the curtain and like all the other business being done at a show, all the other setups that goes into it. I don't want to talk about that because we, we spent time over the weekend on that in the episode. But, it, you know, it opens your eyes to just different segments of the hobby. And then I tried to look at like all the people who were, you know, tagging CSA shows afterwards and look at that content. And then there are people there who are just trading hockey cards. You know, people, I went in there just for a hockey card. I went there just to get this. And, you know, I traded these. I'm a T206 guy. And I was just looking for these couple of T. I, I did Cracker Jack cards. Um, so, it, you know, it's funny because, look, we kind of have to. We talk to you guys for half an hour a day. It's the hobby. Prices are up. Prices are down. You know, buy the PMGs. <laughs> stay away right. from stay away from retro stuff. But there's so much more there. And I think, you know, you say there's a lot to unpack. I think the one thing that I unpack from it is I'm not going to say buy what you love, but I understand where that came from because I think what makes this hobby amazing is that there's, you know, different things for people who come from, you know, I'm a hockey fan, I'm a baseball fan, I'm a this, I'm a that, you know. And, um, you know, I think the more you kind of, you know, peel that layer back, you know, the more you realize this hobby's been here for a long time and it will be here for a long time. Well, guy so, I met, his name is uh, Mike Stoner. And uh, you're well, of course he did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew you are going to lie. Of course well, he did. He was uh, Mickey Mantle's agent's lawyer. And uh, he's he's good friends with Mickey Mantle, a guy a little bit older in age. And he sold iconic photos that were autographed by athletes and authenticated 
and then he would make the frame really cool by um, doing hand kind of carved inscriptions of like the logo. So like um, if we use like the Yankees, it would be hand carved into the frame. And because it was art and not like uh, licensing, it's not an issue with uh, trademarks and things like that. But the photo is, is authenticated and signed by the athlete. And that's a that's a huge business. And that has nothing to do with speculation. That's souvenirs, right? Yep. That's like I wanted to buy. A, he had a photo of Pele doing the bicycle kick, and Pele mm-hmm. signed that uh, that photo. Huge. That, that's a gift that I would love to get for my dad. Uh, and is it a good investment for five hundred bucks? I mean, Pele cards sell for four or five thousand dollars, right? So you're talking about an iconic photograph of Pele scoring a bicycle kick with a huge auto on it. It's uh, it just opens your eyes. I was thinking a lot about the scientific method, and um, Ooh, okay, like COVID, they it changed our habits in a lot of ways. Right? They say like 60, 90 days to change habits. Well, COVID was probably like a two year thing where we were just at home. And what happens when you're at home? You think, right? Like you think a little bit too much. Or l- l- let me actually, take, I won't say you think too much, but you think you create theories, whether those macro or micro theories, like. You know, a macro theory might be like F1 is the next best investment, right? It's a theory. Mm-hmm. A micro theory could be like, you know, Mahomes is the next Jordan, right? So you have these macro micro theories, but it's important to get out of your own head and go test them, right? That's the whole thing with scientific method. Uh, we oftentimes believe things to be true that aren't such. That's the most dangerous thing in life is when you believe something to be true that isn't that way. So it's really important to test theories. And I think going to a show really allows kind of the rubber to hit the road where let's say you have a theory like mine was, I think Jordan Poole's a a great, like kind of speculative buy. Well, well, amazing. Andrew pat on the back for making that up, but what do dealers say? Do they want to buy the cards? Right. Mm -hmm. And then you go a step further. Like, Hey, I think courts select court side, even if it's a fast break, disco is a better buy than the blue prism. Amazing theory, but go test that, go see where there's more demand. Go, go to, 50 dealers and don't worry about the sale, but get a pulse of, do they want to buy? Do they not want to buy? What are they asking? How much are they competent at? How are they thinking about that, this market, right? And be able to come back with your theory that's had holes poked through it, through it and see if it uh, kind of stands the test of time. And I, I think going to shows allows you to do that because online, it's just a bunch of opinions being thrown at each other. Joe Rogan, once said Twitter is like a bunch of monkeys throwing feces at each other. And, and in a lot of ways, that's what, you know, social media in general is, right? Yep. And we believe so strongly in these opinions as if they're facts, but the reality is they're not facts, they're opinions. I believe that the Yankees were going to come back and win four straight games. Let's go. Clearly dangerous okay. when you believe. Without bringing this, true. let me just set the framework. Without making this about, you know, Andrew and yelling at me. and, and Oh, Jesus. Here we go. How do you explain to to just the, the public that you guys had so many empty seats in a season where Judge had an iconic season, a 62 home runs, MVP, almost triple crown, where you guys had an amazing, amazing year, and you have so many right. empty seats in New York? Well, so a couple reasons. I don't know if this is about Andrew. I don't know how I would make this about Andrew. Um, one of my friends, Al, you know, so you're – he messaged me about so an hour before the game started, which it, it would take me longer than that to get to the stadium. But there was a delay. I mean, the game was delayed. The game was supposed to be seven o'clock. Started like nine, right? Or I mean, it was because of weather. I mean, it's bad weather here, and this is going to happen more and more often. Not because we want to get an advantage over Cleveland, although you know you can argue whatever you want. But but you know, World Series is going to go well into November now, probably. You know, I mean, uh, we're going later and later into the season. Um, and you know, it's for TV, it's more rounds, it's all this other fun stuff. And it was never like this. The weather's going to be worse and you're going to have more rain, especially here in New York. I mean, it rained today. It rains almost every day. So there was a delay. So that's part of it. No one, it's a, it's not a covered stadium. So it would already be bad, you know, poorly attended anyway, because of the rain and because of the weather. It's a Sunday night game now getting later. It ended after midnight with the delay. I mean, well after midnight, um, but he messaged me an hour before the game started, and he's like, hey, you, you want to go to the game? Like You could say you saw judges last at bat as a Yankee, and right now the StubHub cheapest ticket to get in price, people like say that, was $18. He messaged me. He's like, here you go, 18 bucks. We could say you saw a judges last game, you know? And I, I laughed. I mean, I, maybe I gave it a little half a thought. 
right? But it's not the easiest thing to get back from. But, I mean, there's a lot of things. One, weather. Two, they're down 3 nothing, right? And, you know, people don't want to watch the Astros celebrate on your field. And, and the way they had been playing, you know, the chances are that was going to wind up happening. Um, so I, I could give it a lot of reasons why, you know. And in addition to that, where you see on TV those seats – so they're not showing you the bleachers, which are packed. They're not showing you the 400 levels. They're showing you behind home plate and around first base. They're showing you where, like, P. Ryan and Alex Jaimo, who came very close to earning an unfollow last night from me. Um, they mean, went, mean to your Yankees? No. They, I mean, you say, I don't really care who wins, but then, you know, there's a slant. But he's, I mean, P. Ryan bought her seat. He's sitting there with an Astros thing on. I mean, obviously, she's got to be slanted where, you know, I mean, you know, where your bread is buttered. But anyway, point being, those seats are almost are almost never full. Those are legend seats. That's corporate seats. So the seats you see on TV, those seats are, they're, they're paid for by companies. They're paid for by, you know, by, by people who are looking to give them away to people anyway. I was offered tickets for every game. Saturday, which we were there for Sunday. I, I asked for Monday tickets, which they're not going to be tickets now. Um, but I was offered tickets on all of them and I passed because it's a pain in the ass to get there from where I live. But more importantly, who wants to go watch them lose? So you, we once had this argument about, you know, how much coaching matters. Mm -hmm. You're a believer that coaching doesn't matter a ton. This is something I, I vehemently disagree. I think coaching is so important. And if you actually look at the athletes, we'd love to invest in the most Mahomes, Curry, Jordan. I think it matters a lot more in baseball. And a lot more in football than how, basketball. I think my, my take is much more basketball. That's more how, star driven. Agreed. How important is fans? Like, um, huh, if you believe the Yankees, they were telling the fans to be quiet. Harrison Bader complained that he dropped the ball on Saturday because the Yankee fans were too loud. He, yeah. he really said that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, Yankee fans, be quiet. It's too loud in here. You're being too loud. No, but I like where you're going. I think you and I got to talk to the next Yankee manager, by the way, this weekend. Don Mattingly? That would be sick. That would be kind of cool. He he was when I brought up to him that, hey Don, like, what do you think? Like, if baseball doesn't change things in twenty years, could they be out of business? That wasn't like a surprising question. That was a question like he's had that question in the boardroom because that's a serious thing that's top of mind. That was the vibe I got. Yeah, and he had his answer ready to go about the we're making some changes. But you're right. he actually said you were right. He said bring, if we didn't make changes. Is the biggest change to bring Philly fans to every city? Have you seen another city with fans like that? What do you mean? What's different about that? They're winning. Any city that has winning fans, like if you watched the game last night and you watched after the Yankees lost, Houston fans were there celebrating with their people. In New York celebrating, they look exactly the same as Philly fans. Okay. And when you win, fandom is great when you win. Everybody wants to you know, yell and scream. We have ticker take parades also when the Yankees win. You want to know how great the Philly fans are, You know, watch them when they lose. We're so equally we'll as passionate, but just with the other tilt. Like what we'll, right. we'll, we're when we lose, we're just we want to fight brawl. There's a jail in the stadium for a reason, right? But um, I don't know. I just think that's cool because like uh, there is like the Philly's a shithole, and in a lot of ways, I think why Philly fans are so passionate is because there's really not much else to do in that city other than eat cheesesteaks and root for your team. So right now, like, if you are a Philly fan and you want to watch this game, you want to go see a game live in the World Series, it is actually cheaper for you to book a flight, get a hotel, and buy a seat in Houston and fly back than to get in and just watch the game in Philly. Isn't that crazy, right? It's nuts. It's nuts. It's like $1,500 get-in right now for a World Series at, at Philly. And we, Houston, we love like, our yeah. sports, man. And, like, I, I didn't even go to the game. I, I, we went to – like, when the Phillies won the World Series, I was in college. It, it was insane. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, the whole city was just going absolutely nuts, climbing on flagpoles, just doing the dumbest shit, honestly. Uh, but, like, <laughs> watching how excited people – like, the fans when Bryce hit that home run or Riz hit the home run – they're just on it all, all day. Like the entire game, they're going absolutely crazy. And I, I believe that that does help a team win. I'm sure. I mean, listen, you could pick up energy from, from, you know, from the fans. And I'm sure the energy from the Yankee fans were probably crappy last night. I mean, you can see after it ended, um, you know, there's a lot of Houston fans there. Plus, I mean, look, it's great, right? When you, when you, when you win, the victor gets to write history, right? So, you know, it's great. You know, I would say the Yankees have won way more than the Phillies. Cleveland, but I, yes, but what I'm what I'm about to say is Cleveland did the whole rock the baby, and after we beat them, you know, we were able to say it back to them. So like last night, 
you had, you know, the Astros saying, well, Yankee fans asked for Houston. They got Houston. You know, they're able to put that in there. What I don't exactly get is there's a lot of Red Sox fans like, you know, oh, today, Red Sox didn't even win 80 games this year. They were last place in the division. But all of a sudden, they, like, adopt Houston. There's a hatred, like a Yankee fan hatred out there, which is, I mean, it's well, pretty crazy. Cheated. Yeah. Well, they cheated. Well, I don't care about that. Honestly, they didn't cheat this year. I mean, you, but you can make it pretty clear that they did cheat. I mean, Jose Altuve can't, he, he couldn't hit the side of a barn. Like, he, he, he's terrible. Like, he couldn't hit anything. Like, you could throw a beach ball up there and he'd swing and miss at it because he's, he's got to keep runs. his jersey. He's got the bases. It but, really, really bothers me. I mean, listen, for the Yankees, you know, I like the Raiders when I was growing up because they were always a competitive team when Al Davis was an owner. Like, they always were, you know, they were like the Steelers. They might not win the Super Bowl, but they were going to give you a competitive team every year. That stopped recently. They've been pretty terrible. But in the Yankees, look, I mean, they won in 09. Sorry, they beat Philly, right? So that was the last time they won. But so we got 13 seasons since. In those 13 seasons, they've only missed the playoffs three times. Right. Right? They've been eliminated in the wild card two of those times. Right. Which means that they've played meaningful baseball series in eight of the last 13 years. They haven't won a World Series. They've been eliminated in the World Series. They've been eliminated. Right. They've eliminated in the championship round. But they give you a team that, you know, it's always going to go out there. Like the words rebuilding here are just not in their vocabulary. They're always going to um, give the fans. And then you add Judge to that too, who has a legendary year on top of that. That's why I was so surprised. I'm like, dude, like, you got to show out for your city. You have you have the biggest city in basically America. How yeah. how can you not fill a stadium? I think you know it's uh, L.A. does the same thing, right? I mean, you watch L.A. is always empty. Do you well. want to be L.A.? No, but you know, look, it's an elimination game on a Sunday night after a rain delay. I'm not surprised that the most expensive seats in there. Also, by the way, you should know with bad weather and cold, those seats come with indoor. So a lot of those people go inside. It's like all you can eat. There's like lobster and shrimp and fancy and drinks and food, and it's all included. So I, I would venture to say that the seats you were looking at empty were probably a lot of people were inside, you know, taking advantage of the amenities, staying a little warmer and that kind of stuff. I, I know because I've done it myself. Let so me ask you guys who listen. I'm not going to say who is the best sports city because that's way too big. Who has the most passionate fan base across sports? Basketball, football, baseball. I like this. I like that Philly has the stadiums like right on top of each other. You know, yeah. like right next to each other. That's pretty cool. Like I've been, I've been there when there were games in both on the same day, like morning and and you just and, tailgate and all day. That's, I mean, that's pretty nuts. Like that, there, there's some violence in the parking lots on those days because people are drinking for like twelve hours. And, and let's like <laughs> contextualize violence. Like you actually have never heard anything like seriously violent. We're just like it's like a passionate, aggressive fan base, but like. The reality is, you know, there's fights. I, well, I saw plenty of fights. There's fights, but like it doesn't like escalate. You know, it's, it's I don't know how to explain it. I, I think the Philly people know what what what, what I'm referencing. I just love cheesesteaks in the ballpark. That's a good time right there. It's a good time. Just get a cheesesteak. A year ago, maybe a year, a little over a year ago, people were like buying like. I mean, they're spending tons of money on the prospects, and you're like, hey guys, you guys have a world champion, uh, MVP. Named Bryce Harper, right there, and he's younger than Aaron Judge. You, you want to take a look at this guy? Do you think Bryce's market is going to start catching up? He's got to win, and I don't think he's going to win. So you think he's going to beat them? Oh, Houston's going to be a monstrous favorite in this series. Monstrous. Houston's favorite. going to be a monstrous favorite in this series. You look it up. Look it up now. Sure that might be the out. worst thing that could happen because this is the city that gave you Rocky. So if we're the favorites, we can get a little arrogant and a little bit like boastful. But you put us as huge underdogs, the city's gonna up. rally crazy. Well, they're gonna be underdogs. I mean, come on, they're the last team in. They were six seed. They won eighty something games. Houston has been, you know, the best team in the American League, if not the best team in the league all year. One hundred and six wins or whatever the hell they won. You know, they have Verland. They have lockdown. They have, you know, they have. I mean, if they've got good pitchers, plus one fifty underdog. Uh, is that for game one or for the series? Uh, serious, serious, serious. Minus one eighty to win the championship, or the Astros plus one Philly. The, the books right. take like I, a, I'm actually a little surprised by that. Twenty percent big on it. I, I thought it would be a little worse than that. So that's good. Um, that's good because it'll be a competitive series. So it's like 40 percent. I'm gonna kind throw of a little deal. fun one out there. Anybody listening or watching this? Um, you know, if anybody remembers that episode, anybody's like, oh, I bought some Bryce Harper because of that. Great. Message me. 
Message. Sell, 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 sell. We can talk about sell. Face the camera, Sell your judge. Sell your Bryce Harper right now. Was I was I wrong? Was I was I, that was like the best sports take of twenty twenty two. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I don't hear anything so from the sports card nonsense guys anywhere. I mean, no, but I can't do face to camera because we weren't you weren't telling me to do that back a year ago when I was talking I about Bryce Harper. I would have mm-hmm. said buy Bryce Harper. But I'll give you my Bryce analysis in a second. But the point is, if somebody bought Bryce, I know a lot of people did. Um, Send me a message. Tell me, you know, what you bought. Let's put some pictures up. I'll put it in my story. I'd love to clip that. I, there's so many episodes. I don't even know how to, how to find it or where to find it. You know, I, I, I wish I wish we had a team of 400 people working with us who could just put out that content because this morning or five minutes after he hit that home run, I would have had a clip of my ugly mug, probably much fatter mug, saying a year ago, Ooh, you gotta buy Bryce Harper, and they did get a compliment for from Papa G, which is like the ultimate compliment. He's like, "You're not drinking that much soda, and by the way, you look really good." Papa G, Papa G, noticed sixty pounds will do that, man. Sixty pounds will do that. Um, okay, so Bryce, Bryce came in. Bryce is a great example of what people should pay attention. This is an education, if you allow me. I know we're twenty five minutes in. Bryce is a perfect example of a cycle, right? So it's baseball. It's a little bit different, right? But we've seen Tatis investors. We've seen Vlad Guerrero. We've seen, you know, Alonzo. We've seen, you know, Soto. We've seen all these guys, all these investors. Acuna, like every one of these guys. See, Judge, whoever it is, right? Bryce came in with as much fanfare as any of them combined. Think Dominguez, right? Think, Think Dominguez type. But Bryce came in as a kid, right? The 09 Bowman card for the USA under 18 team was the first card. I remember, it was in Strasburg's Bowman also. And then, you know, later on, obviously, you got to 2011, you got the Bowman Autos and 2011 uh, and 12 uh, Tops cards, Top Season, the Top Scrolling, the Tops Update. There's plenty of cards for him. But he came in basically as, I mean, everybody said he was going to be Mantle. Everybody said he was going to be Mickey Mantle. And he was one of these guys, he, he reminded me of the San Francisco Giants. Where he would go one great year, one off year. You remember when the Giants would win the the, the World Series every other year, right? You know, and, I remember you know, that. That's why I fell in love with baseball. I was living in the Bay, right? So it's like fifty-two home runs, and then Panda. it's like, oh shit, two ten. Bruce Bochy, yeah, the, the, exactly. And then I mean the 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 Hunter the, uh, Hunter Pence. I love Hunter Pence, man. Who was it that they they played? Who basically? Uh, it doesn't matter. So Pardon so me? Kansas City Royals. Yeah. So so point being. The expectations for Bryce were so high that it was basically impossible for him to live up to the hype, right? And the card prices that were being – with all the hype built in and all the expectations built in made it nearly impossible for him to be worth what people were running the cards up to. And then what happens is a little bit of momentum drop, you know, a little bit of injury. A little bit of an off season, a little bit he doesn't follow an MVP year with another MVP year. He's not taking a team to the World Series. It's taken a little while. All of a sudden, Mike Trout is better. Everybody likes Mike Trout. Mike Trout's better. And the Bryce Harper also, I don't want to call him Russ Wilson, but but before this last couple of years where he's just basically been the bearded wonder in, in Philly and they've adopted him as one of their own, he was this young kid who broke the rules. And it wasn't the game was a little different at the time, right? Now it's like, oh, flip your bat, have some fun. Who cares? You know, like it's, it's a funny era. He was, he was the guy who was going out there, and when the old outfielder was loafing to a ground ball, he was running to stretch it out to a double and embarrassing people. He was fat flipping. He was, he was being arrogant, and, and people were like, we're gonna, we're gonna beat him. He was often getting hit by pitches. You know, he was one of those guys that, like, you know, baseball kind of thing I put to the side, and so did collectors because it was almost impossible to live up to it. And if you look last year, I mean, you had good rookie cards of his selling for 100 bucks, you know, like very good ones. I can guarantee you, if somebody pulls that, any single card that we said to buy on Bryce is double what we said to buy now. Even though when we told people to buy it, the market was at its peak, it's sort of like a Jalen Hurts thing, which I said in the beginning of this season, too, right? That you should be, if you're looking to really invest in a quarterback, Jalen Hurts, none of these other guys, because Hurts hadn't run yet. Harper was more of a contrarian play. Harper is somebody people don't realize he is a year younger than Aaron Judge. I mean, he's 29 years old, right? I mean, this guy, he he'll be 30 next season. Aaron Judge will be 31 in April of next season. And if you look at his career numbers, significantly higher, significantly more in almost every category, right? You know, he's got the MVPs, right? The only, the only, you know, fun thing knock on him was his team traded him and then went on to win the World Series. 
Think about that for a second, right? So Washington traded him. Well, traded him. Washington let him go, right? You know, they, they, and he, the year he left, Washington with Soto, the new flavor of the month, and they're pitching, of course. They went on to win a World Series without him. And I think that turned him into somebody who you could root for because instead of him coming out and being like, okay, he's got all these expectations and anything he doesn't do well, you can be like, ha, he didn't live up to it. Now he's been beat down. He's been playing for a decade, a decade already, right? He's been playing for a decade. And he didn't get to win that World Series, right? The team won it without him. So now you're like, all right, Philly's a perfect place for him. He took what I would consider a city-friendly contract, looking at it now, right? He took one of these, I want to play here, and I want to play here for the rest of my career. I'm giving you guys a discount, and I believe it is, based on his production, one of the better contracts in baseball. Um, and look what he's doing. I mean, look what he's – I mean, he has been every bit of that contract and more, and now you're pulling for the guy. And when you get people rooting for the guy, you know, that's the only time you get one of these down. Once you're down far enough, okay. There's, he may never get up to the place where he was. But now you can root for him. Now he's got people on his side. I'm um, worried about Herbert following a similar path. I'm very much worried about all of the money that's been sunk into Herbert. And I wonder if he follows a similar path to what you just described with Bryce. I mean, it very well could be. I mean, Herbert looks talented. Um, but his expectations are so high, Cage. You know what's funny is they – I don't know if they really were coming out. Like, he wasn't the number one draft pick. Like, like Bryce was one of sure. these, like, 19-year-old cover of Sports Illustrated, you know, like the, the next hope for baseball, yeah. saving it. But you're right. I mean, Herbert has become that. But it doesn't matter at that point when he's coming out anyway because the cards aren't available. Yep. Right? So, like, when all the hype of, like, the 18-year-old prodigy, it doesn't matter. You can't buy his top update anyway. So like, it's true. It's true. I remember buying I, – I, I remember submitting to Beckett his under-18 USA card, but nobody really wants that card anymore. Right. So, like, it takes a little time for the cards to be an opportunistic. But, like, I was at the show, and, I mean, there's a lot of Herbert autos and Herbert patch cards that no one's touching. That like is part of the board. problem, right? I mean, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it too. You know what I mean? And when, when he's performing, if he's going to – look, Josh Allen stuff. Right, right now with Josh Allen doing what he's doing, and you know, looks like the favorite for the MVP and possibly the Super Bowl, right? Because Mahomes can beat anybody in the NFC. Mahomes just didn't beat Josh Allen. So right now, in a regular gonna, season game. We'll, we'll take a look when he beats them in the just, playoffs again. Fine, Mahomes is a different story because Mahomes has already had his run, already won. I'm going to use Josh Allen as as an example, right? And you can use Mahomes too, by the way. I'm, I'm making a comparison between someone who's very good and Justin Herbert, who I don't think is. Um, someone who didn't have the expectations that Herbert did coming out. Mahomes is actually in the same category as opposed right. to Herbert, who just started high and has continued high. Right. Allen has done one of these kind of things. But when you're just still doing this and you haven't hit that bump yet, like Herbert going down, the showcases, people will buy the elite. People will buy the spectra. People will buy the obsidian autos of Josh Allen because the other stuff is so high into the stratosphere now that – it's like, all right, well, I got to get some exposure to Josh Allen as he makes this MVP and Super Bowl run. The ancillary stuff gets bought. The PSA 9s get bought. The SGC 9s get bought, right? The Whereas, Obsidian card is the card that I was actually thinking about as I was talking about Herbert. That was, The guy was like, last comp is 900. I'll do 750 on this. Well, Just because on – I mean, Obsidian is funny. I say that and because now on Herbert, the cards you do want are coming down. And the demand for the good stuff is coming down. But he's got 5 billion other cards like mm -hmm. Obsidian. And the guy, the dealer sitting with Obsidian is like, nobody wants the Obsidian because people have the ability now as this you know wave crests to get the Herberts that people actually want. Now, do you think, Cage, when a play, like that, that, that uh, cardboard relevant kind of theory that you've patented and you probably mm -hmm. will draw it out and put it in a book one day, when that cardboard – relevance to cardboard irrelevance happens that period there's a supply shock that hits the market right oh yeah it's scary that is it's a wave cresting it comes crashing down so like the wave cresting is uh in effect and the cause is a lot of supply correct when you have a guy that's on a steady trajectory there's no turbulence right like you have that lift off and then you have no turbulence yep. so there's no supply shock and it's always easier because those guys are ones where they have two things working for them number one 
they, their expectation starts low, so they're able to build. When your expectation, like Herbert, starts high, there's, a, there's only no, <laughs> it's very hard to stay that high. Yeah, you the know, shield the is going to outsell a mantle 10 next. But more importantly, someone like Herbert, who came out in, in a huge boom time and had all the expectations at the beginning, the products that came out, there's more and more and more, and he's in everything. Someone like Josh Allen, actually, you know, he's a Wyoming quarterback, you know, a guy who's going to scramble a little. They, they didn't put as much of his stuff in these sets, you know what I mean? And that actually helps. Example. A lot of you guys might not know this, but Mahomes doesn't have a 2017 Kaboom. He doesn't have a rookie Kaboom because he wasn't as revered. 100% right. And it's like a little subtle stuff, but like it kind of gives you a little perspective. It's like, whoa. What Cage is saying is accurate and true. I mean, listen, it doesn't make Mahomes a bad investment. I think Mahomes is is starting to get into that category now where, you know, people are dumping, people are, you know, you know, I see a loss against Josh Allen and, and people like me come on and be like, Oh, Josh Allen's gonna win the MVP in the Super Bowl. But there's gonna be somebody like you who says, Not so fast. It's a regular season game. Do it when it matters. Come to you know Kansas City, or let, we'll come to Buffalo, and Mahomes to the beach and win them the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, then the, the, the trolley starts moving back uphill. And if if that's your guy, this is where the, the hobby gets fun. If that's your guy, and you think the prices have hit a point now where they're too low, you buy Mahomes. But what do you buy? Accessible. He's more accessible now than before, but it, it's just still the same thing. His ex- expectations are so high. That he just put a forty-four on uh, the best defense in the league, and people aren't even batting an eyebrow. Nope. Right, like it's and, and that game versus Josh Allen. I mean, both looked phenomenal, you know. So you, you that's watch the same play. kind of thing, right? You you just feel when you watch those guys, whoever touches the ball last is gonna win, right? And and I mean, you you watch Mahomes, you're like, he, he's he's wildly exceptional. Um, any thoughts on NBA season week one? Anything with cards that you want to like? I mean, I saw something funny today. I was going to post it, but I didn't want to steal it um, from Twitter. I saw a picture. It was like an adult Lego costume. So it was like a Lego brick. And you wear it like, you know, it's a red Lego with like the little Lego buttons. And it was like, everybody go get your Russell Westbrook costumes now before they sell out. So I thought that was funny. (laughs) I said this last year. Um, This is one of the things I might dislike the most. And this isn't LeBron's fault, but this is LeBron's fans. At, at what point can you have two conflicting arguments and, and pretend that they can't? They don't overlap? You guys are out here saying he's the greatest player of all time or top three and just this prodigy, incredible, blah, blah, blah. And at what point is he going to take responsibility for this team as, as a leader? Like You can't have it both ways. You can't be, say he's the alpha, the best, the greatest. He's so incredible. Look at his stats. And then keep pegging blame on the rest of his team his entire career. All right. I mean, listen, I think LeBron, you know, fans would probably say, you know, he's at the point in his career where he shouldn't have to be the alpha on his team. You know, Kareem was great, but Kareem had Magic step up and take over, and they brought in Magic and James Worthy and and the whole nine yards, and you know that's what Anthony Davis is supposed to do. When he came in, he was supposed to be a top ten player, and he's supposed to take over, and he hasn't. So that's more on Davis. And then they brought in Westbrook, and so let's talk about that. Yeah, please. Let's throw percentages because not all on Davis. It's not all on LeBron. It's not all on the coach. And it's not all on the GM. But what percentage of that is water or air fills a vacuum? So what I mean by that is. How much of it is LeBron actually being that leader, providing that guidance or whatever words you want to use to help somebody step into that role? I'm sure I'm sure that's a lot of it, but who's he gonna help? Anthony Davis? He 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 came down on the on the floor hard the other night. I thought he was gonna be out for another six to eight weeks. I mean he's not out there enough. Who has he helped in his entire career step up cage? Is would be my question to you. All right, I get it. But you know what? I, I'm I may I'm I can't believe I'm defending LeBron. But maybe I give him – no, I was going to give him a pass, and maybe I don't give him a pass, right? Uh, I was going to say, you know, these, these leaders, like, who did Kobe make better? I don't think he made people better. Me neither. But nobody nobody attacks him the way they attack LeBron. They just say they Kobe was him. out there. No, no, they he was don't. a goat. Okay. He was a this. No, 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 no. They attack him relentlessly his entire career. He, he can't play with Shaq. He got chased out of Shaq. He, he chased out Shaq. He can't win without Shaq. He's a ball hog that doesn't pass. They they attacked him and held him accountable mm-hmm. his entire career. 
doesn't seem to matter now. He's a deity, right? So maybe we attack LeBron now, but in five years, people are not going to care about the fact that he's not helping Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook in the we never, 27th we, season. We give him a pass. We, we just turn a blind eye. We give him a pass. And uh, LeBron stands out there. They're always sharing content of how his the rest of LeBron's team sucks and how LeBron has a stat line of 32, 12 rebounds, and six assists. And it's like, like he's some kind of greatness because he can put up stats. But they're not going to ever hold him accountable the way every single other great has been held accountable. And it's, it's let me it's, ask you a question: it's if, even if, if it costs you money, even if the Lakers come, you're Russell Westbrook. The Lakers come to you and they say we could work a trade out for you. You could pick pick the team. I don't care. It's not it's the hypothetical, right? We can send you here. It's you know it's good for the organization. We're going to get some draft picks or whatever it is. You know they're going to send back nobody. But you know you're making fifty million a year now. You got to take a I don't know. You got to take a couple million dollar. But you're going to be the clear cut one on this team. Do you go? Wait, I'm Westbrook. You're Westbrook. Westbrook's really simple to understand. Westbrook's just going to do what Westbrook does. He's done it his entire career. That doesn't answer the question. What does Westbrook do? I don't know what that means. What does he leave? Does he's he stay? He's a relentless attacker who's wildly inefficient as a shooter. Would you uh, leave? If you're Russell Westbrook, do you want to get out of there? Do you want to be the number one and be relentless and put up your numbers and score and have a chance at redemption? Or do you just stay in the Lakers? I don't know that that question matters at all. Like, uh, I, I don't understand the question. Like, uh, Okay, so I'll ask it again. No, I don't want to move my family again. Like, I'm, I'm living in a biggest in an awesome city in L.A. I don't want to move Okay, again. all right. So uh, that, then you did answer the question. You did understand that it's it's – You'd rather stay there with uh, amidst the ridicule in a team that you clearly don't want to play with. And a, a I've team been ridiculed my whole career. Doesn't look like they want to play with you instead of getting a fresh start somewhere else. So I, I'm asking this for a reason. I think Russell Westbrook could potentially be a Bryce Harper type candidate. I do. I really Westbrook's do. Westbrook's terrible. Westbrook doesn't know his own uh, strengths <laughs> and weaknesses. He's, okay. He so is a, he is a wildly like. So is this something you're blaming on LeBron? Uh, yeah, LeBron wanted Westbrook to be there. He should. So what should LeBron field. be doing? What should LeBron be doing? No, 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 LeBron wanted Westbrook. Okay, so what should he be doing? He would have been a much better fit. Who's a three a three point shooter I mean, and doesn't it's... need as much of the ball in his hand. Would have been a much better fit. But LeBron wanted to play with Westbrook. Okay, so what should he be doing with Westbrook to make Westbrook better? What is LeBron not doing that he should be West, doing? Westbrook is like that guy who will never change his stripes. Westbrook's game today is the exact same game it was. So then what could LeBron do? How could you blame LeBron for not trying to change Westbrook when in the next sentence you say Westbrook can't be changed because he is what he is? I never I never said that. It's LeBron's fault that Westbrook is playing poorly. I, I just asked you I that. Just, you blame LeBron for that, and you said yes. And I said, okay, so what should LeBron do differently? And you said, well – I don't think Westbrook's- that Westbrook playing poorly is on LeBron. I'm my, I've said that I think LeBron needs to be held accountable the same way that other greats have been held accountable. Okay, so Westbrook's Westbrook on his team now. Westbrook is not now. the number one on that team. He's the number three. Okay, so Westbrook's on his team now. You're saying LeBron should be helping his teammates okay. make his team better. What so, should he be doing? Well, Westbrook can't be playing in the crunch time ever. Like he, could, Westbrook is not a final five minute player. Ever. Okay, right, he's not a good right. defender. He's not a good shooter. He's not a good free throw so, shooter. And number one, LeBron should have a conversation with the coach and say, "Coach, I don't think Westbrook should be in a crunch time." What sure. else should LeBron be doing? Um. So I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Last year they didn't have a great season, right? Yeah. Going into this season, he's fresh. They had the entire year. How can you on the statute, or how do you see competitiveness, right? Like just like taking over a game, right? You can't really see that, but you you can only see it if you're watching, right? Yeah, of course. Do you do you see LeBron assert his dominance in these games? No, not at all. You could assert your dominance. So 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 wait, I'm I'm I love you, man. I'm just trying to understand. LeBron stands are going to talk about his stats, but he needs to be held accountable. Because he's not making his team better. But the way to make his team better is for him to just, what, take every last second shot and ignore the fact that he's a team? 
Um, I'm trying to understand. A lot of three different points that you're kind of mushing together with crazy glue and putting all together. But, no, no, um, this is your point. I'm trying to understand your point. I'm putting myself in the shoes of a listener. You say LeBron stands have... He, if you're going to make LeBron the greatest, mm-hmm. the greatest is not just a stat-driven category. Okay? Yeah. The greatest is stats, accomplishments, mm-hmm. and then intangibles. Okay. Leadership and competitive drive. Okay. We love competitive drive as humans. Yeah, of course. People that will their teams to win. Mm-hmm. In in like a a, sh- a short form, he sees the team he has around him. Yes, I haven't seen him will his team to win a game in, in like two three years, like probably since the the bubble. And he does he shoots shots from the logo that are air balls. He plays absolutely no defense. He's lackadaisical. He does these like one handed passes. Assert your dominance and just relentlessly compete for every minute that you're on the floor. You know what you have with Westbrook. You can't change that. AD's made of glass. You can't change that. Let them fill in the gaps. Attack relentlessly. So that's Attack it. relentlessly. Just stop shooting threes. Just, you know, you, whatever whatever gas you have in the tank, you should use it to be the old style LeBron, even though you're 40 now or 38 or whatever it is. Just attack yeah, but the basket. This is the thing I don't get. We, could, we always – he gets this excuse. There's always an excuse. He's too old. He doesn't have good enough teammates. It's it's always the same shit over and over again with LeBron. He's too old. Oh, he's 40. You could now he can assert his dominance. It's okay, but he's still the greatest. He's so good. He's always yeah, but the I mean, I think when people say the greatest, I don't I don't think anybody is saying that he's the best player on the court right now. I think when people say the greatest, they're looking at his body of work. Right? LeBron I don't, I, is the greatest talent that ever graced this earth. Okay. He's also one of the worst competitors. He he's he he sh- he fades when it gets time. When it gets really tough, and this is why we love Jordan because you know those six and zero finals because yeah. it's like a boxing ring. It's it's me versus you, and I'm not. You're over my dead body. You're gonna take it. I understand. Over my, so, and him so, is like okay. He's he's so gifted, man. Talent. I mean, dude. Yeah. Even at 38, look at him. He's as fit as it comes. He's the strongest. He's the biggest guy. He's probably the fastest guy still on the court. So I think the but point you're trying to make is that he's missing that that separate factor, that that killer instinct, that that put them on your back. It doesn't matter who you're out there with when it's a close game. You know, you got to know Lillard's coming from behind to block your shot. <laughs> Don't let that happen. You know, like like you got to put put it on your shoulders and, if and Lillard, win. Okay, let Lillard block your shot. Let those things happen, but just relentlessly attack relentless all right you've got to will your team to victory how long are you going to let your other teammates take all of your blame you're the gro- you're the goat you're literally the best player of all time you're going to pass kareem's record and and the point is the real the, is not that he's not amazing he's fantastic the point is we can't just keep giving him passes and not holding him accountable to the same way we held all the other greats accountable and just putting him to the top of the pedestal because of his his natural giftedness. Natural giftedness, I would put him and Wilt 1A, 1B. There's there's probably no one. Jordan's 1C. They're all natural. But that that insane competitiveness, and it's like, it's me. I'm going to – like the flu game. Why do we love the flu game? Because at 99.9% of people would fold. And then the other 0.05% would play and play terrible. But this guy gets food poisoning, plays, and then has a legendary game on top of it. And that's what we love. That's what we want from our athletes. All right. Listen. Stop, uh, Stop putting him on the pedestal of the people who have that greatness and saying he's there with him when all evidence proves contrary to that his so entire career. The Lakers, and when he was in Miami, it was Wade who was the alpha. Well, I, I was, was the best player. I was going to say Wade get there. I mean, Kobe had Shaq, too, for a little while there. But I understand what you're saying. What made Kobe um, and Shaq insane is Kobe and Shaq are alphas. That's when it gets fucking crazy. I mean, is Philly going to win a game? Yeah. The but, Sixers dude, are so okay. weird. So weird. Like, I mean, tough, tough start to the season. I mean, Boston's very good. I mean, this tough start to the season. And they were really I, I believe this. Like, I, I don't rate Doc very high as a coach. Like, I think – He's funny. He makes huge, really funny faces. He has pedigree because he played. But like as a coach, he's probably been the coach that's graced been graced with as much, if not more, talent than just about anybody. And what he's done with that talent is probably made them worse than if he just didn't even show up to a game. 
My favorite thing from basketball this week is the clip you sent me with Devontae Graham going up for the block. That was awesome. (laughs) Rejected. CP3, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Jamal Crawford. That Clippers team was stacked. This was every one of those guys in their prime. Then you go, you before that you have Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Rashawn Rondo, Kevin Garnett. One championship? I listen to you talk about like how LeBron needs to turn it on, turn it on, turn it on. I guess what he's if he were Let here, me know. he could I did not say he needs to turn it on, he cannot turn it on. He needs to be held to the same standard. You can't put him on this pedestal of greatness, but not hold him to the same standards that you hold every other great to. If he retired right now. And just said, I'm, I'm retiring right now. Just that's it. I can't play this anymore because I'm so great and I just don't have it. And I can't put the team on my shoulders and the team that's around me is not going to do anything. in his entire career. Do you know that? What? He's always deflected blame. He's never. <laughs> He's right, never... So that would change it. That would change it. That would change your whole analysis. Because, I mean, Jordan played at the end of his career yeah. and he was a shell of himself when he played for the Wizards. I mean, he wasn't Jordan anymore. He was old, you know, and he <laughs> We'll attack them. Like, just hang it up. You know, you stayed on too long. S- same thing with Brady, right? Like, like, we, that's yeah. the, the narrative right now. Brady, like, you stay till you surely wish you would have. That's not what it is. It's the competitive drive, is what I'm talking about. Okay. It's how you listen. Go I out. get it. I get it. You listen, could go out bloodied is- and, you know, all your arms cut off and, you know, missing an ear, but you're, you're out there living it all. It's one of the cool things about sports, man. I mean, you're not a LeBron guy. You know, you're a Kobe guy and you've become you're, a, you're a, a Curry guy. No, I'm being serious. You know, dude. I'm being, not. That's not, but that is what's what's great about the hobby and sports is that we're all simpletons, right? We're collecting cardboard pictures. Some of them have autographs of people who we are fans of. We should all be more simpletons and stop turning this into a stock market and all this other fun stuff. It's okay for me to say without you getting pissed off that you're not a LeBron guy. A LeBron guy wouldn't make the arguments that you're making. They would turn around and say, okay, Andrew, you're right. For the last couple of years when he's 37 and 38, he's not putting an entire team on his shoulders because he can't, right? Now, you have other arguments about how he never did even when he was younger. Nobody's done what he's doing at his age. There are arguments he made both ways. So, yes, he did own it. it. Own it. You're not a LeBron guy. That Mo Williams, that Zajunis Agalskis, that team was terrible, and he put that team on his back. But always it was his – the LeBron fans or the LeBron stands would always say it's because his roster is not good enough. He's not losing. They've used this excuse. It's never on LeBron. It's never his fault. They well, don't I hold him to any of the same standard as any other great. All right. Well, who besides Jordan, who are we comparing him to? Right. Because I think that part of that is the comparison that's being made right now. People are trying to put Curry in the same conversation and Curry's had one of the more dominant teams built around him. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.